Chapter Seventeen of Early Days of Old Oregon by Catherine Barry Judson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seventeen Through the Natchez Pass. In the early days, all immigrants, after crossing the plains and the mountains to Fort Walla Walla, went down the Columbia River to the Willamette Valley by trail or by boat. At first, no settlements at all were made anywhere else than in the Willamette Valley and the adjoining valleys, such as the Clackamas and the Tualatin. The first settlers in the Puget Sound country went there in 1845. Michael Simmons, a rough though honest man, was one of them, and George Bush, a mulatto, was another. There were only a half-dozen altogether. Immigrants had not gone north before that, because the British expected to be given the country north of the Columbia, and they did not encourage immigration there. Two other important reasons were that there was no farming country open to settlement north of the river, and the Indians were wilder, so there was more danger north of the columbia except the lands used by the hudson's bay company for their farming there were only dense forests lumbering and fishing were the only possible ways open to immigrants of earning money when the boundary line was settled however in eighteen forty six the columbia river was not the dividing line most of the puget sound country was given to america the discovery of gold in california made timber and piles and shingles necessary and settlers began to log off the lands around puget sound they rode east to their friends of the pleasant climate and the beautiful country and the great tracts of land to be had for the taking many immigrants for the puget sound country therefore came across the plains to fort vancouver then up the cowlitz river and over the old cowlitz trail to olympia there had long been a rumor of a good indian trail from fort walla walla across the cascade mountains to puget sound if this was true it would save much time and travel for immigrants could cross the mountains from the yakima valley and save perhaps two hundred miles or more in eighteen fifty three word was sent to immigrants even before they reached the blue mountains of oregon that a road had been cut through the forests of the cascade mountains and that it would be easier for them to reach the sound by the old indian trail and the new road than by way of fort vancouver so many travelers of that year tried to reach the sound country direct by the route through the natchez pass one summer night a party was camping in the grand ronde that great circle in the blue mountains the broad grassy valley was twenty miles across walled by high mountains through the green valley ran streams of ice-cold water delicious after the dust of the waterless lava plains many tall trees grew there though the forest was not dense wild flowers glowed among the green grass it was a charming place in which to encamp in the grand ronde that night a ten-year-old boy named george was playing with his baby sister a blue-eyed golden-haired little girl of about a year old thirty-six of the white-winged prairie schooners of the immigrants were nearby george's father was looking after his tired horses and other fathers after their oxen the mothers were cooking supper suddenly a number of horse indians rode up they had dressed in their best to visit the white men buckskin shirts they wore and leggings beaded in many colors with brightly colored porcupine quills hawks bells fastened on their shirts tinkled as they moved feathers were in their hair 
the beaded buckskin saddle blankets of their ponies were edged with deep buckskin fringe which swept the ground they had come to see how the white people cooked and dressed and ate and lived those things always interested the indians a fine-looking chief really a famous chief named peopeomoxmox came over to watch george play with the baby carefully he watched the two for an hour and then he went away and soon after supper both the golden-haired baby and george were sound asleep early the next morning before the sun rose some of the men went to look after the oxen and horses to their surprise they found hundreds of beautiful indian ponies grazing near their camp soon they met indians driving in more ponies at once they knew the indians wanted to buy something and what do you suppose they wanted that blue-eyed yellow-haired baby the famous chief had watched george play with her so that he might know how to do it after he had bought her baby's mother said no not for hundreds of ponies would she sell her baby girl and the great chief who had come to get her rode sorrowfully away striking his chest and saying my heart is very sick as soon as breakfast was over that morning the procession of wagons started on again there were thirty-six of them and one hundred and forty-five persons including the little children they left the grand ronde passed on by fort walla walla and started for puget sound by this new road over the mountains the year was eighteen fifty three first they had to cross the columbia river there was no boat there to use as a ferry it took four days to saw planks out of driftwood just to make a clumsy raft to get across the river once across that river the procession of prairie schooners went north to the yakima valley following the yakima river up through that valley where alexander ross had traded for horses with the indians thirty-five years before the river banks were higher sometimes on one side and sometimes on another so they had to cross the river eight times to keep as much as possible on fairly level ground then the travellers came to the natchez river as it wound and twisted through the mountains and how many times do you think they crossed that sixty-eight times one driver cut a notch in his whip-handle every time they crossed others counted up to fifty and then lost count sometimes instead even of crossing straight over they had to drive up the river-bed with the oxen stumbling about in the loose stones and plunging now and then into deeper water travel up the river for a mile before they could find a bank low enough to allow them to land where the water was high it came into the wagon-box and things got wet besides crossing that river so many times they had to travel through sagebrush as high as the wagon the oxen had to crush it down before they could pass through it the worst of it was that the poor beasts had almost nothing to eat for fifty miles on the east side of the mountains there was no grass nothing but the tips of alder and maple trees along the river bank both the oxen and the people were worn out by the time they reached the forest if these immigrants had been fur traders with pack-horses and with no women or children the problem would have been much easier than it was the trail really was well known and much used by the indians but it is one thing to go through such a country with pack-ponies however heavily laden and quite another to drive oxen pulling their heavy cumbersome wagons with four great clumsy wheels an indian pony could travel forty miles or more while such a wagon was going four 
when these immigrants reached the dense forests of the cascade mountains words cannot tell their hardships they learned afterwards that settlers on puget sound had sent out men to cut the trees and clear a road through the forest indians however told these men before they had done much work that the white people had gone down the columbia on the usual route so the roadmakers shouldered their axes and went home many immigrants had indeed that summer gone down the columbia but these thirty-six wagons had not these poor people could not go back they could not travel again down the natchez valley and the yakima with their starved oxen the oxen would have died on the way and probably many of the people also at best it would be full winter before any of them could reach fort vancouver there was nothing to do but cut their way through the forest every man woman and child had to help in that awful road-making the stronger men went ahead with axes and cut down the trees others pulled the smaller trunks when cut down to one side or chopped a passage through the larger ones trees which had fallen years before and which blocked the forest in every direction had to be cut through or cleared away then the women and children came after hacking away at the undergrowth and the saplings and pulling the lighter rubbish out of the way hungry and ragged barefooted and almost naked the little children with their hatchets hacked away at the underbrush it was fearful work the trees were large and even the stumps left by the choppers were almost too high to drive over they caught under the wagon beds of the heavy schooners and the thin weak oxen pulled almost in vain to get the wagon over and not a single foot of that road was level they were either going down a steep slope of some kind or up a more gradual ascent do their best they could not gain more than three miles a day and their food was giving out but on they pushed until they reached a point twenty-five miles south of mount rainier then the foremost wagon stopped the ones behind had also to stop something was the matter groups of men and women hurried forward and stood near the leading team they talked and they wept the men were arguing george and his mother hurried forward to see what the trouble was george's mother saw it first she said well i guess we have come to the jumping-off place directly in front of them the ground dropped away in a sheer bluff for thirty feet or more it was straight up and down below that was a long steep slope no ox could stand on that slope even alone much less with a heavy wagon pushing on his heels nothing but a fly could stand upright on that sheer bluff men and women said to each other we can never go down there so the men began to search for another road or another trail over the mountains there was none all about them were hills it was either go down that hill or go back to go back was impossible it was go ahead or starve one man in that train had a piece of rope one hundred and eighty feet long he had coiled it under the wagon box when he left the missouri river not knowing when or where it might be needed now when it was so badly needed he drew out the staples that fastened it yet when a man took one end of it and slid down the hill to see if it was long enough they saw it was too short one of the immigrants james biles said kill one of the poorest of my oxen make a rope of his hide fasten it to the end of this rope they did so yet the rope was still too short 
they killed another ox and another and still another four oxen they killed in all cutting the green hide into strips knotting the ends together and fastening all to the end of the rope at last there was enough footnote this ox-hide rope story is disputed by a few of the old pioneers those with the best memories however remember the incident clearly and it is vouched for by mr george h himes assistant secretary of the oregon historical association who incidentally is the boy george mentioned in this chapter End footnote. in getting down the wagons great care had to be taken all the oxen but one pair were taken off the foremost wagon one end of the rope was tied to the hind wheel the rope twisted around a nearby tree and paid out slowly to prevent the wagon from plunging down the hill the oxen put their feet together and slid down the bluff on their haunches it was too steep to go down any other way the wagon was held from crashing down upon them by the rope after they got to the end of the rope the wheels of the wagon were rough-locked then small trees with the branches still on were cut down and fastened to the rear wheels these acted as a drag and the branches increased the resistance so the oxen dragged the wagon down a quarter of a mile farther to the foot of the hill where camp was made for the night each wagon had to go down in that way and it was slow slow work two wagons were wrecked and some provisions lost the wreck of the wagon was not so serious but the loss of the food was after reaching the bottom of this hill the emigrants were almost at the foot of the cascade mountains yet they were still a long distance with such teams as theirs were then from puget sound the oxen were unfastened and driven forward to a prairie afterwards known as connell's prairie to feed they were too weak to pull anything the men stayed with the oxen the women and children stayed with the wagons in the forest a few days later the oxen were brought back and hitched to the wagons but they were still very weak so everyone walked by this time things were desperate the food had given out and the travelers were almost starved men were sent ahead on horseback to ask the settlers around puget sound to send them food but no one knew whether the messengers would reach the settlers or whether help could come the messengers might even be lost in the forest the horses and oxen belonging to george's father were so worn out he decided to stay with them on the prairies for a few days even had he gone back with them the family would have had to walk just as everyone did so ten-year-old george was left to take care of his mother the baby sister a little sister of seven and a small brother of three eating a few berries on the way as they could find them the travellers started on foot for connell's prairie george sometimes carried the baby sometimes loaded his little brother on his back while the mother carried the baby and seven-year-old sister kept close by one afternoon they came to the white river it was too deep to ford so the teams had to go downstream a mile to find a ford one of the men cut down a tree to serve as a bridge it was so large a tree that it crossed the river but at the farther end the tip was partly under water and the current made it sway when they came to that tree bridge everyone was ahead of george and his mother and the children the mother said she must rest so george took the little sister across on the log set her down in the bushes and came back for his brother 
With these two safely across, he took the baby over and left her with the other children. Then he went back again for his mother. George took his mother's hand and helped her over, but she was very tired. When she reached the farther end of the log, where it swayed in the current, she lost her balance and fell into the river. George quickly caught at some bushes with one hand and his mother's dress with the other. He held her until she could climb up on the log again. She wrung out her wet skirts, and they went on two miles farther, where she gave out, and they all had to stop. They were over the worst of things by this time, but they were quite alone because the others had all reached Connell's Prairie, which was not very far ahead. But the mother could go no farther. Leaving the children with her, George started off to find his father. Then they too, father and son, carried the worn-out mother to the campfire, and went back again after the three little children whom they had had to leave alone in the forest at twilight. Yet even then, at the prairie, all the food there was to eat was a few baked potatoes. All day long they had eaten nothing except a few berries, and for days before that they had been almost starved. But at last these brave people were over the mountains and out of the forest. The settlers, who were now living in their log cabins on Puget Sound, near what is now Olympia, sent men to them with bacon and potatoes and flour. The Hudson's Bay Company, from Fort Nisqually, sent beef to them and vegetables, so there was no longer any danger of starvation, and at last they were safe. They said afterwards that even the little piece of road which the axemen had cut had been so badly done that it was no road at all, nothing but a good pony trail. But the next summer workmen were again sent out, and this time they cut a road clear through the forests and over the mountains. It was a rough road, but no immigrants after that ever had such a fearful struggle to get through the forest, or were in such danger of starvation. End of chapter 17